If you'd like to listen ad-free, head to patreon.com slash the SCP experience. There you can sign up for my seven-day free trial and get access to all my stories, including bonus episodes, completely ad-free. That's patreon.com slash the SCP experience. Now time for the story. The video is hard for me to watch. It's a miracle we even have it after the damage to the containment facility. Thank God for the tech guys who managed to get it off a recovered hard drive. After all, Foundation surveillance footage is not the kind you want stored in the cloud. On it, I watch as Dr. Regard walks up to security officer Caldera like it's just another normal day. But as the doctor gets up to Caldera, he elbows the security guard in the throat, takes his gun, and puts a bullet in his head. Even though there's no sound accompanying the footage, I wince at the gunshot. Caldera was a friend of mine, he was a good security officer, and Dr. Regard knew exactly what he was doing. His movements are fluid on the tape. I can just picture him practicing it again and again, getting ready for the real thing. Would I have been able to see it coming? I ask myself. I like to think so, but some part of me says no. What would have made Caldera aware of his impending death? He worked with Regard for nearly two years. They were colleagues. Hell, They'd been to each other's houses. I look up from my tablet, glancing around at the other members of my team as they sit in the dark interior of the military transport plane. Tran sits back with his eyes closed, but I know he's not sleeping. He's meditating. He's the only Buddhist soldier I know, and the contradiction still makes me wonder how he ended up working for the Foundation. I know little about him other than what I've gleaned from our jobs together. Gomez and Phillips sit together, both bent over the same tablet, discussing something with an earnestness I've come to expect from the two-man team within a team. Morris sits next to me, checking and rechecking his weapons. Someone who didn't know him well would mistake his compulsion for nerves, but I know better. He's got a bit of OCD in him, and he catches details that even I miss. Looking back down at my tablet, rewinding it so I can watch it again. It's probably unhealthy. I've watched it a dozen times already, but I do it anyway. After Regard kills Caldera, he retrieves a hermetically sealed container, the contents of which can turn our world upside down. Apparently, while he was inside the containment chamber, he let loose another of the SCP-1100 samples. But the Foundation has that site under control now. That wasn't Regard's main objective. There's no doubt about it. It was just a way to buy him some time, just over 24 hours by the time we catch up with him. I feel the plane shift, nose down, and check my watch. We're landing, right on time. All right, listen up. I say, powering down the tablet and putting it away. We only get one shot at this. We know Dr. Regard and Dr. Romero are both involved in this, and we know they have help at their little jungle compound. We just don't know how much. Yeah, Chief, those satellite images were shit, Gomez says. The others chuckle. We're lucky to even know where they are, I say. That's the big mistake they made, not eliminating all five transponders. But Gomez, you're right. That's what we're headed for. Shit. But we've all seen our fair share before. You all know what we're up against. The jungle around their compound is going to be death trap after death trap. So keep your heads on a swivel. We've only got four hours before they drop Agent Orange on the entire area. 
I thought that shit stopped being used in the 70s or something, Fran says. I forget that he's a Vietnamese American. His parents fled from the country during the last year of the war, when they were just teenagers, long before they even met or had him. I'm sure he's heard some stories. You know better than that, Tran, I say. The Foundation keeps all that kind of stuff in reserves if we need it. And we need it. Tran nods and leans back. Any questions? I ask. There are none. Good. We get in, get one or both doctors alive, and we get out. Anyone else is fair game. After the plane lands on a dirt runway in the middle of the jungle, we pile into two jeeps, each with its own driver. It's a 30-minute drive to our entry point. We all hop out and get our bearings before creeping into the jungle. It's daylight out, which is helpful for us, but the sun will set in about an hour. We'll be at the compound by then, God willing, but the trip out will be all the more difficult because of the darkness. We plan on taking the same way out as we're taking in, but plans turn to shit after first contact with the enemy. The jungle looks normal at first. We walk through it slowly, getting to know the plants around us so we can spot anomalies when they inevitably come. Phillips is on point, leading us through the jungle. Gomez is behind him. Then it's Morris, me, and Tran taking up the rear. Something rustles in the trees overhead, just above Phillips, who signals for us to stop. He sweeps the treetops with his gun, looking for anything out of the ordinary. A thick vine moves like a snake from the tree next to him, smacking the M4A1 carbine out of his hands. Gomez fires up at the vine, but it's too late. It wraps itself around Philip's neck and yanks him up, slamming him into a tree. I can hear as the man's bones shatter with the impact. We're all firing now, and the bullets finally punch through the vine, severing it. The bottom half of it drops, along with Phillips's body, to the forest floor. God damn it! Gomez says, growling the word. Motherfucking damn it! We need to move, I say, putting a pin at our current location in my GPS device strapped to my wrist. We'll get him on the way out. Tran, you take point. Morris, bring up the rear. The men do as I say, and we move ahead, all the more cautious now. Ahead on the left, Rand says, pointing to a bulbous, almond-shaped bud hanging off a tree at about waist height to the left of our path. It's a big bud, about the size of a football. We all take note, and Tran skirts it, leaving a good three feet between the bud and him. Just after I pass the bud, a bellowing growl comes from our right. I immediately think of a panther, The growl is followed by the sound of swift movement through the rich green foliage. It's coming right at us, or more accurately, right at Morris behind me. We fire into the jungle even though we can't see the thing yet. Where is it? Morris yells. No one answers. We don't know. Suddenly, the huge black cat appears, darting out of the underbrush, soaring through the air at Morris. I get off several shots, certain I hit the thing but its momentum carries it forward, slamming into Morris, who is then knocked back into the bud. Get down! I shout, taking two steps away and diving as the agitated bulb explodes behind me. It sounds like a grenade going off, and I'm lucky I managed to dive behind a fallen tree. I stand up, ready to shoot the panther if it's still alive, but it's not. It's in pieces, just like Morris is. The whole left side of his chest is gone, as if a grenade went off in his left shirt pocket. Jesus, 
I say, quickly compartmentalizing his death, just as I did with Phillips's. There will be time later for mourning. If this stuff gets out, humans won't stand a chance. I whispered to myself. Tran and Gomez look from Morris's bloody body to me, and then turn without a word to continue our trek. We hike for another mile without serious incident. Tran is in the lead, and he manages to chop a couple of living vines as they try to kill him. He also points out some strange plants with inch-long green spikes that are red at the tips. Death is sure to come if we're stuck with one. Finally, we come upon the compound. There are six little buildings, only one of which looks modern. The rest are huts made of sheet metal and wood. I can hear the hum of a generator at the modern central building. It must be where the two doctors are replicating the SCP-1100 that they stole. We peer through the cover of the jungle at the buildings, locating eight guards total. It's almost completely dark now, and we use it to our advantage, taking the guards two at a time as they patrol the perimeter. We kill them with knives so as not to alert the others in the place. This we do without incident. We're good at killing people. It's the transformed plants and animals out in the jungle that we have little experience with. Once the last two guards are down, we move quickly. No longer worried about making noises, we're running out of time. We get to the concrete and steel building and Tran uses his machete to chop through the wires going from the generator to the building. Gomez and I wait by the door for someone to come out. It doesn't take long. Dr. Regard steps out, flashlight in hand. I press the barrel of my HK-416 to the side of his head. Don't move, asshole, I say. He puts his hands up and I yank him out of the doorway. Gomez moves into the building. I hear a burst of gunfire and then Gomez comes out with Dr. Romero. We bind their hands while Tran engages some more guards drawn out of the huts by Gomez's fire. Move, 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 Tran says, firing shot bursts of covering fire. Bullets whiz by us as we move back into the jungle, going the same way we came in. Gomez moves backward, firing at the pursuing soldiers as we get deeper into the dark jungle. Shit, I hear him say. That one word says it all. You hit? I call back, gesturing for Tran to cover the eerily silent doctors. I move back to where Gomez is lying down, putting bullets into our last pursuers as I go. I pull out my flashlight and shine it on the spot where Gomez is gripping his leg. There's a thorn stuck there, a green one with a red tip. That's it for me, chief, he says. No, I say, looking at the thorn under my flashlight beam. We have doctors now. Maybe they know of a serum or something. Can you walk? I put the flashlight on his face to find that his eyes are rolled back into his head and there's blood pouring out of his mouth. He's gone. I turn and run back up the trail, making sure to use my flashlight to look at where I'm going. When I get to Regard, I smack him in the face with my rifle. He goes down onto his knees with a grunt. You're a genuine piece of shit, Regard. You don't care about anyone, do you? Regard smiles up at me with bloody teeth. I care about Gaia, about Mother Earth. And I care that we're raping her with every chance we get. And we won't stop until everything is dead. Everything, not just humans. We're killing the whole fucking planet. Get up and move, you psycho, I say, yanking him up. He's right, you know, Dr. Romero says. If we didn't do what we did, the whole world would have died. Shut up, I say, then catch myself. What do you mean, didn't do what we did? 
What does that mean? We just stopped you. Chief, we don't have long until they drop the Agent Orange, Rand says. He's right. We move quickly, thankful for the work we already did on the way in to limit our danger on the way back. But the whole time, I'm thinking about Romero's words. He spoke them like it was already done, like their mission was a success. And the fact that they weren't really surprised to see us makes me think we've really messed something up. I check the GPS device strapped to my wrist, which tells me we're out of the targeted zone, which means we're out of the most dangerous area of the jungle. There are only a few minutes before they drop the Agent Orange. Regard notices me checking. We're clear now, aren't we? He says with a smile. How long until they drop it? I don't answer. Not long now, I'm sure. He continues, still smiling. I know how the Foundation works, so I guess it does no harm to tell you this now. Tell me what? I ask. Those planes that are coming, they aren't dropping Agent Orange. That's what everyone thinks they're dropping, but they're not. My limbs go cold. What are they dropping? What do you think? They're dropping SCP-1100, tons of the stuff. What better place for the new world to birth than from the Amazon rainforest? The way this stuff spreads, I give it three years before there are no humans left and everything is right again. I give it two, Romero says. Tran and I look at each other. You're lying, there's no way. No way we could infiltrate that branch of the foundation? Regard says. Sure, believe what you want. I pull my radio off my belt and talk into it. Call off the drop, call it off now, I say. But even before I hear the response, I know it's too late. I can hear the planes coming in low. I can't see them streak over, thanks to the darkness and the jungle canopy, but I can hear them. And I can hear thousands of gallons of liquid splash down into the jungle. In the harsh light of my flashlight, Regard and Romero smile. And I know they're telling the truth. SCP-1100 is a highly dangerous complex organic substance that causes anomalous transformations in natural plant and animal life. SCP-1100 will spontaneously vaporize into aerosol form and can also be transmitted by direct contact with infected subjects, pollen, dander, and other excretions. Infected plant and animal subjects will transform over the course of 24 hours, which includes, but is not limited to, plants with bulbous sections or large fruit undergo exotic chemical transformations and become filled with explosive or caustic substances that burst violently when disturbed by humans. Plants with long tendrils or vines gain muscle-like internal structures that allow them to grasp and crush living human prey. Plants with thorns or needles harden to the point of being able to cause serious bodily injury and, in some cases, become coated in substances that are highly toxic to human physiology. Plants that are generally used as human food sources become hardened or otherwise change composition to be inedible, indigestible, or otherwise dangerous for human consumption. Animals normally considered docile prey animals become increasingly strong and aggressive and will attempt to harm human subjects with no regard for personal safety. Animals that are natural predators will prioritize human targets as prey, ignoring easier targets. Animals that are domesticated livestock undergo physiological changes that render their flesh impossible to digest or even lethally poisonous when consumed by humans. 
Animals that are household pets become feral and hostile to human handlers, oftentimes increasing in size and strength, sufficient to cause bodily harm. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this story, please take a second to leave a rating for the podcast. This greatly helps other SCP fans find my podcast as well. Thank you so much.